Good evening to you. Take your Bibles, please, tonight and turn them with me to 1 Corinthians chapter number 6. Thank you, young lady. Good job. As always, the Lord has blessed us around here with people who are talented and um, sing praise unto Jesus so beautifully. And man, you've done a great job tonight and so thankful for that. You keep serving the Lord. The Lord has blessed you with a talent. Use it for his honor and his glory. I appreciate that so much. Man, good to see our young people being used to the Lord. Brother Scotty called me just a little while ago and said that he was called into work and wasn't able to be here. I want to thank you for filling in, Natalie. You've done a great job this evening. Um, this morning, we begin a series of messages entitled, What Does Jesus Do? What does he do for me? What does he do for you? What does he do for every person who has trusted in him and follow him um, as Savior, the disciples of Christ? who follow him, he does a lot for us. First of all, how many of you know tonight that Jesus saves? If you believe it, say amen. I'm so thankful for that. Jesus still saves. He's still in the saving business. He's still doing what's necessary to forgive men of their sin and to put them in right relationship with God who is holy. And for that, I praise him. I'm thankful for grace, mercy, love, and forgiveness that comes freely through the cross. I don't deserve it. Um, I, there's nothing I can do to earn it. It's a free gift given to me by and through the finished work of the Lord Jesus Christ. So Jesus saves. And we talked about this morning, if you remember, if he saves us, if he is our Savior, that means we need saving from something. And so what has Jesus saved us from? I gave you three things this morning. I said that Jesus saves us from sin. He said he came to uh, call sinners unto repentance. He came to set us free, for whom the Son sets free is free indeed. Uh, he saves us some, from sin, and I'm thankful for that, but he also saves us from self. And I told you today that, folks, my biggest problem most of the time, I'm going to say probably over 90% of the time, is not other people. It's not what other people do. It's not what other people say. Uh, it's what I do. It's me. It's um, it's me, oh Lord, that stands in the need of prayer. That's the truth. And if I work on myself, I find that I don't have near as much trouble with other people. Most of the time, I deal with me. But I'm thankful that Jesus saves us from ourselves, that we can be dead to the old man, reckon ourselves dead to the old man, the old ways, the old ways of thinking and, and doing, and, and we can be uh, new creations in Christ Jesus by his power. And so we praise him for that. He saves us from sin, from self, but we also said he saves us from the spiritual deadness that we were all born into. And according to Ephesians chapter number 2, um, we are saved by grace through faith, and when that takes place, when salvation comes into our lives, we are made alive um, unto spiritual things, and then God can do uh, what he wants to do in and through us. So if you believe tonight that Jesus is still in the saving business, say amen. Jesus still saves. Let me give you another one this evening, and I'm going to go through this very quickly. You listen fast, I'm going to talk fast, and we'll be done in just a moment. But I want to talk to you about uh, that Jesus sanctifies. Jesus sanctifies, and we see that right here in 1 Corinthians chapter number 6. Let's flip over there, and what I want to do is start just in verse number 9. And he gives us some background on where we all were at one point in our life. Listen to what he says. It. Know you not that the unrighteous shall not inherit the kingdom of God. How many of you know when I was still in the free pardon of sin, when I was lost and undone without a relationship with Christ, I was considered by God the unrighteous. And you were as well. And I've got to tell you tonight, if you've not yet trusted in Jesus, you are still in that camp. 
Dr. J. Vernon McGee says it like this. I love how he puts it. He says that there are only two types of people in this world. When you boil it down to the lowest common denominator, there's two types of people. Either you're a saint or you ain't. Either you've trusted in Christ and your sins have been forgiven or you hadn't trusted in Christ and your sins haven't been forgiven. Either you are considered righteous because the blood of Christ has been applied to your heart and life by faith or you're considered unrighteous, you're still in your sin. And, and really, folks, you only know where you're at. That's between you and the Lord. But uh, the Bible says the unrighteous shall not inherit the kingdom of God. Be not deceived. Neither fornicators. We know what fornication is. Fornication is um, having sexual relationships outside the bonds of marriage. Nor idolaters, those who set up idols and worship them uh, instead of worshiping the one true God, Yahweh God. Nor adulterers. We know what that is. That's going outside the bonds of marriage after you've been married um, and having sexual affairs. Nor effeminate. Uh, now the effeminate or the abusers of themselves speaks of those who engage in the homosexual lifestyle. He says, nor thieves. We know what a thief is. Nor covetous. Those who um, folks are so jealous of what you have, they would do whatever they could to get uh, what you have. Those are the covetous ones. Then he says, nor the drunkards. And the drunkards are those whose uh, lives are controlled by alcohol. Then he said, nor revilers, nor extortioners shall inherit the kingdom of God. So he gives this whole list that we cannot be involved with um, and, and inherit God's kingdom. Then he says this. I love this verse, verse number 11. He says it plainly. And such were, everybody say were. And such were some of you. Now, folks, the truth is, I bet every one of us tonight could look through that list that he gives in verses 9 and 10 and see ourselves somewhere in there. That's where I was at one time in my life. That's where I used to be before Jesus. That's how I used to live. That's how I used to think. That's how I used to operate. That's where I was. But he says, that such were some of you, but you're washed. Everybody say washed. <laughs> Praise God. He's talking to the believer and he says, now you've been washed by the precious blood of Jesus. The blood of Christ has been applied to your heart and life by grace through faith. And the scripture says the blood of Jesus covers a multitude of sin. I am so thankful for that tonight. Folks, I can't look down on the drunkard. I can't look down on the fornicator. I can't look down on the adulterer. I can't look down on anyone in that list. Because except by the grace of God, that's where I am. You can't either. But by God's grace, I have been washed. I'm so thankful for that. I just can't get over that, folks. I want to tell you something. You never need to get over getting saved. Never get over the grace of God. Never allow the gospel to, go, to, to become commonplace to you. Because it's not commonplace. It's amazing. It's supernatural. It's the love of God being shown to you and to me. And oh, I, I just love that when it says... You've been washed. And then he says this, but ye are sanctified. But ye are justified in the name of the Lord Jesus and by the Spirit of our God. What a beautiful verse. That's awesome, isn't it? That's power packed. Let's pray together and I want to share with you what sanctification is all about. Lord, we love you. Thank you for loving us. Thank you, Lord, that by your grace we've been washed. We all need grace. We don't deserve grace, but we need grace. We all need mercy. We don't deserve mercy, but we need mercy. And Lord, I'm thankful your grace is made available to all who receive it. And I'm thankful your mercy is new every morning for each and every one of us. How good you are. Lord, we praise you tonight for the truth of your word.
I can do nothing, Lord, without you. I want to do nothing without you. I'm asking that you, again, you move me out of the way this evening and you use me for your honor and your glory. Fill me up, pour me out. Lord, speak your truth to me so that I might give it to your people. Be with me in this presentation as you've been with me in my preparation. And for these things, we're going to praise you in Jesus' name and for your sake. Amen. So he says, you have been washed, you have been sanctified. What does it mean to be sanctified? There's many different definitions. One of my favorite definitions for sanctification is to be washed, cleaned up, and set apart for the purpose of God. And that's exactly what it means. It is the Lord cleaning us up so that he might use us. Now let me say something to you. Do you know it's not my job to clean anybody up? And you know it's not your job to clean anybody up? That is a work of God the Holy Spirit. Let me tell you this. All we're called to do is be fishers of men. Let me tell you what we need to do. We need to catch them. We need to let God clean them. I'm not the clothing police. I'm not the lifestyle police. I'm not the judge of anybody, and you're not either. Let's us just catch them, share the good news of the gospel, share the good seed of the word of God. Let that seed take root as God sees fit. Let him give the increase, and when that takes place, then let God clean up what he wants to clean up. Let him do in the life of that person exactly what he wants to do. That's what we must do. That's what we've got to do as the people of God. God cleans us up by sanctification, sets us apart so that we might be used of him to do what he saved us to do and to be what he saved us to be. To be washed, cleaned up, and set apart. That's one definition of sanctification. Let me give you another one. And I like this one. This one's a good one. To sanctify means the state of proper functioning. To sanctify someone or something is to set that person apart for the use intended by its creator. I like that. That's really good. To sanctify something means it's, it's, it's being used and properly functioning as it's been created to function. Now, what is uh, our, why have we been created? Why do you think God created mankind? Anybody want to answer that? Good, that's good. Yeah, absolutely. No doubt about that. Anyone else? Let me tell you what I believe. Yeah, there's no doubt, Miss Brenda, that God certainly wants relationship with us. He went the extra mile <laughs> to have relationship with us by sending his precious son to die for our sins. That's true. I believe that God wants relationship with us, but I also believe the purpose of mankind is to glorify him. Amen. And listen, we can't truly glorify him without a relationship with him. Uh, and so it all works together. But we are to glorify God. How many of you know, before we meet Jesus, while we are still in our sins, spiritually dead, we can't glorify God. We're not going to be functioning properly according to what we've been created for. None of us will be able to. But when we are saved, when we are washed, when we are sanctified, set apart, then we can begin glorifying God in our lives so that he might be glorified by what he is doing in us. Jesus said it like this. He said it one place in the book of Matthew. He said that we are to do good works so that men might see our good works and then glorify our Father in heaven. When, God's, when men start seeing what God is doing in me, 
And when men start seeing what God is doing in you, they'll probably say, you know what, that can't be Israel or that can't be so-and-so. That's got to be God. God's doing that. And when God is truly doing the work, I'm telling you, men take note and give God glory. And that's what our lives are supposed to be. We are to be living examples of the power of God working in a person so that God might be glorified. That's us being used in our intended purpose. I love that definition of sanctification. Really, do you know that these glasses are sanctified in that sense? I want you to think about it. These glasses were created by their designer to help me to see. They are functioning in their intended purpose. Therefore, these glasses are sanctified. The pen that you're writing with, listen, it's functioning according to the intention of its creator. When you write something down, it's sanctified. And we are sanctified as God's people when we are functioning according to the intended purpose of our creator. That's sanctification. To be set apart, used for the purpose of God, functioning in his intended purpose for which he created us. Now then, let me give you two points tonight. First of all, I want to talk to you about the process of sanctification, and it's twofold. Number one, you need to understand that the moment you get saved, you are positionally sanctified. Your position changes as far as God goes. And the Bible teaches that everywhere. Take your Bibles, turn with me please to 2 Corinthians chapter number 5. 2 Corinthians 5, verse number 17 is going to be a very familiar verse for all of us, I'm sure. Listen to what it says. 2 Corinthians 5, 17. Therefore, if any man be in Christ, everybody say in Christ. He is a new creature. All things are passed away, and behold, all things become new. So he says the believer is put in Christ as opposed to being out of Christ. In our sin, we're out of Christ. Before we got saved, we were out of Christ. While we are lost, we are out of Christ. But listen, those who have placed their faith in Jesus, the moment you are converted by grace through faith, you go from being outside Jesus to being put in Jesus. And with that comes some great blessings. Uh, one of my uh, dear brothers in Christ, I've told you about him before, Brother Kitty Cantrell, a man that I looked up to greatly, a man that blessed my heart, was one of my mentors. He always said this. He said, Brother Israel, to be in Christ means we are made partakers of all Christ is and all Christ has. Isn't that good stuff? And that's exactly what it means. Because I am now in Jesus, inside the family of God, because my sins have been forgiven, I am made a partaker of all Christ has and all Christ is. And that's true for you too, believer. Your position has changed. Let me give you another one. Go there from the book of 2 Corinthians to the book of Ephesians chapter number 1. Watch this. He speaks of that further here in verse number 3. Ephesians 1, 3. Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who hath blessed us, everybody say blessed us, with all spiritual blessings. Do you know you've been blessed with all spiritual blessings, believer? And I've got a, a seven-week series, and we're going to start on that before long, on the spiritual blessings that we have in Christ. And there's probably more than seven, but I've got seven that I want to give to you that the Lord's... Uh, certainly shown me and put on my heart. I can't wait to do that. But it says we are blessed with all spiritual blessings. Watch this. In heavenly places, in Christ. Everybody say in Christ. 
So again, we, uh, we are in Christ as opposed to being outside of Christ. And being in Christ means that we are blessed with all spiritual blessings. Take your Bibles, look down there with me to the next chapter. Ephesians chapter 2 and verse number 6. Watch what it says. Ephesians 2 and 6 says, And hath raised us up together, and made us sit together in heavenly places in Christ Jesus. Do you know that your salvation is so complete that God already sees you as being seated with Jesus in the heavenlies? Now, I'm going to be honest with you. I don't understand all I know about that, but I know that's what God's Word is saying right here. Your salvation is a finished work because what Jesus did is enough. And if you're trusting in Christ for salvation, your salvation is so final, so complete, so finished, God already sees you as being seated with Christ. You are in Jesus, brothers and sisters. Praise the Lord for it. The Bible says that we are in Christ as opposed to being outside of Christ. In many places it says we are now brought into the marvelous light, even though we were in the darkness. <laughs> The Bible says that we've been made alive as opposed to being spiritually dead. So my point being, our position has changed. The moment you are converted by grace through faith, the moment you've trusted in Jesus, you were positionally sanctified. And now when God sees you, He no longer sees you in your sinful state. God sees you being covered by the precious blood of His Son. And so the Bible teaches that the righteousness of Christ has been imputed to us by faith. Take your Bibles, look with me in Romans chapter 4. I know we're jumping around a lot today, but I want you to see this. Romans chapter 4. The Bible here in Romans 4 in verse number 22 gives us the story of Abraham. And Paul is arguing here that righteousness, justification in Jesus comes by faith and not by works. And he finally gets down to the end of this chapter in verse number 22 and he says, And therefore it was imputed to him or to Abraham for righteousness. When Abraham believed God, God put righteousness on his account. Now, he goes on to say this, and not was it, not it was not, now it was not written for his sake alone that it was imputed to him, but for us also. Everybody say, for us also. Now listen how he puts this. To whom it shall be imputed if we believe on him that raised up Jesus our Lord from the dead. So what the, Paul is saying is that not only did righteousness come to Abraham by faith, righteousness also comes to us. When we place our faith in the fact that Jesus rose again from the grave, having paid the penalty for our sin. When we place our trust in the finished work of Christ, righteousness is imputed on our behalf, and we are positionally sanctified. We go from being outside Christ to in Christ, from being in the dark to being brought into the light, from being dead to being made alive, positionally sanctified. Now let me say something to you, though. Listen. Not only does God sanctify us positionally, but then he sanctifies us practically. Because you are positionally sanctified, you are considered righteous uh, because God has imputed righteousness on your behalf by faith. Do you know that right now, 
your, your heavenly home, is, it's signed, sealed, and delivered. But how many know you ain't in heaven yet? You're still here um, right now. I love Dr. Um, Tony Evans, and Tony Evans says it like this. He said, we need to quit worrying about the sweet by and by and start worrying about the nasty now and now. The nasty now and now is where we live. It's the things that we deal with day by day. God has called me to be a husband to my wife that loves his wife as Christ loves the church. God's called me to be a father to my kids that raises up my children in the nurture and admonition of the Lord. God has called me to be a faithful pastor that preaches the word of God. God has called me to be a witness that shares the gospel. And to be able to do all these things in a dark world, we must have some practical sanctification. We've got to have the process of us continually being cleaned up, set apart, for the purpose of God himself. Now how does that take place? Jesus tells us. Take your Bibles, turn to John chapter 17. In John chapter 17, Jesus is praying before he goes to the cross. And he's praying what's called the high priestly prayer. Now watch this. John 17. And verse number 11. We'll start right there. Listen to how Jesus prays this. I love it. He's praying for his disciples. He says, And now I am no more in the world, but these are in the world. And I come to thee, Holy Father, keep through thine own name those whom thou hast given me, that they may be one as we are one. While I was with them in the world, I kept them in thy name. Those that thou gavest me I have kept, and none of them is lost but the son of perdition, that the scripture might be fulfilled. And now I come to thee, and these things I speak in the world, that they might have my joy fulfilled in themselves. I have given them thy word, and the world hath hated them, because they are not of the world, even as I am not of the world. And I pray not that thou should take them out of the world, but thou shouldest keep them from evil. Man, isn't that good stuff? They are not of the world, even as I am not of the world. Then he says something in verse number 17. He's talking about how the disciple of Christ, the follower of Jesus, lives in the world. And this is how he prays about it. He says, sanctify them through thy truth. Thy word is truth. So let me ask you something. How does practical sanctification take place so that we might live out our faith day by day in a world and people see Jesus in us? How is that going to happen? It happens just like Jesus says. It happens as we take heed to the word of God. It happens as we get a hold of truth and start applying that truth to our lives. Amen. In Isaiah 28 and 10, brother, put that on the screen for me, please. Isaiah says something about the word of God that all of us as believers who are being practically sanctified day by day, practically cleaned up, washed, and set apart for the purpose of God, listen to what he says. For precept must be upon precept. Precept upon precept, line upon line, here a little and there a little. What's Isaiah saying? We get a hold of God's truth Precept by precept. As we get a hold of this truth, we get a hold of that, get it uh, put into our minds, living it out through our lifestyle, and then God gives us more truth. Precept upon precept. How do we get the truth? Line upon line, according to the scripture, what God's word has said. And as we take God's word, precept upon precept, line upon line, the apostle Paul says, then we grow glory to glory. We're growing in the Lord. We start seeing what God's word says. 
We were not, we're, we're not no longer just hearers of the word, but like James says, we're doers also. We heed the word of God. We hear it first and we heed it. To hear it's doing what you're doing right now. <laughs> to heed it means we go out when we leave this place and live it out. Be what God wants us to be. Just this past week, me and a brother in Christ have been reading through Joshua 24. We're reading Joshua chapter 24 every day this week. Let me tell you what I found out in Joshua 24. Joshua had come to the end of his years. And God had used him in a fantastic way. God used Joshua to bring the nation of Israel into the promised land. What he started with Moses, he finished with Joshua. And as Joshua brought the children of Israel into the promised land and God began giving the people their inheritance and Joshua began splitting up the land in Joshua 24, he's about to die. And he stands up before the, all the people and he says this, he says, you've got to decide who you're going to serve. You either going to serve the gods of the Amorites or the gods of your fathers that you came from in Egypt or you're going to serve the one true God. He said, I can't tell you what, what you're going to do. You've got to make that decision. He says, but as for me and my house, we're going to serve the Lord. And when I read that, God began convicting my heart about my house. See, folks, I can't talk about nobody else's house. I can't tell you what you're going to do in your house. But all I can say is for me and my house, we're going to serve Jesus. We're going to serve the Lord. And so when I got a hold of that truth, there are line upon line, precept upon precept, God convicted my heart about some things in my house that needs to change so that we might be more effective in serving and following Him. That's how the Word of God works. I mean, you may read the Word of God and find where Jesus said you are to love your neighbor as you love yourself. And I'm going to tell you something. Very few times do I get in the word of God then that line upon line, precept upon precept that God don't start convicting my heart and see where I need to be cleaned up and changed a little more and set apart a little more so that I might be effective in my walk with Jesus in my ministry to others. So that's what practical sanctification is all about. We're sanctified by the truth of God. As we become hearers of the word of God, readers of the word of God, studiers of the word of God, and then we heed that word, we apply it to our lives, and God begins changing us. Line upon line, precept upon precept, from glory to glory. You are positionally sanctified when you place your faith in Jesus. You are practically sanctified every day as you grow in the Lord. So keep growing. Don't you want to keep growing? I want to be better tomorrow than I am today. I never want to get stagnant in my faith. I never want to get stagnant in my service. I never want to get stagnant and be satisfied with where I am. Lord, every day, practically sanctify me so that I might be useful to you. Tonight, I want to pray for you. Does anybody have any special needs, special prayer requests that you need to mention before we close? Yes, ma'am, we sure will. How's she doing? Good, good. That's a prayer answer, didn't it? I'm amazed at the power of prayer, ain't you? Blows me away. Blows me away. Anyone else? Yes, I'm sorry, buddy. I didn't hear you.
Pray for my mom. We'll do that. Absolutely. Anyone else? Yes, ma'am. Okay. Is that Mike's wife? That's a different Ann, I guess. Okay. All right. All right. We'll pray for her. Anyone else? Yes. Amen. Any others? <laughs> we'll pray for him. Anyone else? <laughs> yes. How big was that baby? Somebody told me the other day. Two pounds. Y'all, man, and she's just as sweet as she can be, just as pretty as she can be. And uh, did they get to come home? Not got to come home yet. So pray for Kobe Wigington, his wife Bethany, and is it Riker? Okay, all right, so pray for their family. Anyone else? Oh, my goodness. Wow. My goodness, we sure will. Sister, you got something? Uh huh. Yes, ma'am. Sure will. Amen. Amen. Anyone else? Good, we'll do that. Yes, ma'am. We'll do that tonight before we leave. Anyone else? Let me leave you with one final thought. D.L. Moody said something about the practical sanctification we've been talking about, and I like it. He said, the word of God tells me how crooked I am. Then the grace of God straightens me out. And that's true. Isn't that right? That's how it works. As we look to the word of God, we see what needs changing. And then by God's power and by his grace, he begins changing us to be what he wants us to be. So allow him to do that this week. I love you, church. Have a great week. I'm praying for you. I ask that you pray for your pastor. Remember, every morning at 9 o'clock, we're going to pray one for another. Um, the Bible says we have not because we ask not. So let's ask. Let's ask. Let's believe God to do what only God can do. Let me close us out in prayer. We'll be done tonight. Father, we love you. Thank you for loving us. Thank you for the truth of your word that you've given us today, how good you are to us. Lord, I'm so thankful that you're in the saving business and you're in the sanctifying business. You love us right where we are, but Lord, you love us too much to leave us like you found us. You change us to become more like yourself, and for this we praise you. God, I'm asking you tonight that you would meet the needs that's been mentioned, those who are sick and in the hospital, those who are spiritual sick. Lord, I pray that you would do the work in the hearts and lives of people that you know needs doing. You know what we need better than we know what we need. So, Lord, we're asking you uh, to uh, just do your work by your power. And, Lord, we're going to praise you for it. Lord, we're asking tonight especially for uh, President Trump. And I'm praying, Lord Jesus, you would give that man wisdom to know what to do and when to do it, what to say and when to say it. I pray that you help him to stand for what is right. And, Lord, that you would be honored and glorified in the decisions and choices that are made. Lord, we're praying uh, that you would help our country to heal, 
and be what you have created it to be because we know it's from your hand that America is even here. And so, Lord, use us as a shining city upon a hill to spread light into a dark world. Father, we're asking you now that you would help us here at Mount Zion Baptist Church to be witnesses in our community as we go to our workplace, as we go to our schools, as we go wherever we go, that, Lord, people would see you in us. Practically sanctify us daily as we grow in you. In Jesus' name we do pray and for your sake. Amen.